Zoe, Emery, Claire. We need every voice. This is like, I don't know if y'all saw Horts and Here's a Who, but like you can't have one voice shirking, shirking the responsibility or the noise doesn't get through the cloud. I want to start this morning by reading a scripture for us from Psalm 84. It says, Behold our shield, our God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. And I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. And no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. So keep in mind, like, when this says a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere, where are, after Jesus ripped the the veil in the temple, where is the court of God? Where's the temple? It's in us. So better is... The better are the moments that we spend in his presence, which is here, probably in this room. It's here. It's everywhere. Uh, One time, uh, Dwayne Sheriff talked about um, that the presence of God is kind of like radio waves. Like, we're surrounded by radio waves. You probably didn't think about that until I said that. But you're surrounded by radio waves. You have to tune in to radio waves to actually hear them. And we have to tune in to the presence of God or we will be distracted and we will be pulled and our attention will be somewhere else. So this morning, that's our reminder just as we sing these songs that these songs are really just attention gatherers. They're just here to gather our attention towards the only thing that really deserves your attention today. So would you stand with me and let's pray. Father God, I thank you for each person in this room. I thank you. Holy Spirit, that you are in this room, and I thank you that you're waiting on us, and um, that the word, the scriptures tell us if we draw near to you, that you are faithful, and you'll draw near to us. So God, we ask you to honor that promise today, and we draw near to you. We love you, God. Amen.
I think of the fountains. I mean, the first thing I think of is like in downtown Fort Worth or Oklahoma City, and there's decorative fountains. And thinking, what's so you know, what's the big deal about that? They're chocolate fountains, amen. Um, but the picture here it comes from Psalms um, about being in a desert, and in in the biblical times, most of their experience was wandering and they were in the desert tons of times 
And can you imagine how, if you're really thirsty, if you're really, really in need, what it's like for there to be water that springs up out of the ground. It's only in the time of great need that it's really significant. And I don't know where you're at right now, but uh, uh, we've been in great need before at my house. Ten years ago today, a sheriff's deputy came to my door and says, I regret to inform you uh, that our daughter had died. That was ten years ago today. And I can tell you what it's like to have a fountain. To be in a place where you are so in need and Jesus is there. I didn't eat. I ate part of a chicken leg in five days that week. And we had tons of food everywhere. Um, I was sustained physically uh, and mentally, emotionally, spiritually by the Spirit of God and nothing else during that time. And, uh, well, most of you have heard that story. But I just wanted to make note that that was 10 years ago today. And um, I know what it's like to have that fountain. My heart had been prepared for that for years, though. For years during that time. Um, We lost a partner in ministry this week, uh, Dina Burgess. Uh, David and Dina are pastors of God's House of Prayer uh, towards the center of town here. And um, he actually preached his wife's funeral. And he... Yeah. You just... You see what it means to be sustained by the Spirit of God uh, because He had it. He has it. Uh, I did half of my daughter's funeral because I wanted people to know certain things, to know where our peace was coming from because I think it's potential that some people go, don't you know what's going on right now? If you're at that place in your life, I want to encourage you to just trust God. One of the ways we trust God is with our finances. I mean, I'm speaking for myself. I don't know about you. But that's been an issue in my family's life, in my life, all all through the years. And to be able to just trust God and trust Him that His Word is true, that He says, see if I won't pour out a blessing if you'll trust in me with your finances. That's from Malachi. So uh, I want to invite you to give. A lot of you give online and have that, all that stuff set up. Um, and, but if you want to give in the buckets during this the third song or any time, or the green boxes online, all the ways we give is right here. All right? Let me, let me pray for our offering. God, just bless these gifts and the givers that we might be able to do as Victory Life Chandler the work of your kingdom in this community, in this central Oklahoma area. In Jesus' name, amen. Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for 
i 
talks a lot about the words that we sing. This song is particularly questionable or sus, as these kids on the front row might say. That's short for sus- suspicious if you're not hip with the kids. Um, I mean, I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken. But that's, but we've probably all in this room been shaken. You might feel shaken right now. Um, but Paul talked about being pressed, but not crushed, right? Jesus was pressed all the way into the grave, but not defeated. And Jesus' defeat of death is the reason why you can sing songs like this and you can put your trust in them because even if you are pressed all the way to the last heartbeat or the last breath the soul doesn't die and I know that you know that so I'm not like educating you about something you were unaware of I'm reminding you of something that's easy to forget because it's really easy to cling to life and it's really easy to cling to the tangible things but the tangible things by nature will disappear and the intangible things I always think of love they don't disappear so the love that Steve's daughter sowed in life it's not gone it's still here and the love that Pastor David's wife sowed into this town and this community it's not gone it's still here it's still moving and it's still acting So it's just an encouragement today for us to remember what counts. And if you sang this song and you're kind of like feeling that sus feeling like, I don't think this is true. It is true. There's only one thing that's true. And it is true. Um, And it's a choice to place our, our trust in that area. So. I would ask you today to choose that trust in the right place. Let's uh, let's pray. And then, Steve, you got announcements? Okay. Father, thank you that you are worthy, that you are worth building a life upon. Would you help us to understand all of the ways that we have confused that in our own lives? Holy Spirit, convict us where we need it, where we've put our trust in comfort or where we've put our trust in control or acceptance from others or power in our world. Whatever it is that we have put our trust in, help us to see that there's only true peace and joy and hope in putting our trust in you. And so today, as Steve um, brings the word, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would supernaturally empower him, that you would give the words exactly that this house needs. And would you help each and every person in this room to have open spiritual ears and eyes to see and hear what it is that you're saying. And as I teach in bigs today, would you do the same? And as Juliet's in littles and... Um, even into the nursery where love is like just imprinted onto children without words. Just so love in this house and help us to become better um, and better at loving like you loved. 
thank you. We praise you. Amen. 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 Be seated. So, if you have never been here before or haven't filled out one of these cards, they're in a little packet under the seat in front of you, under one of the seats in front of you. Um, we will take care of your information. We promise not to sell it to anybody or anything like that, but we just like to be able to get in touch with you. And thank you for being here this morning and maybe get you on the email list that we send out a weekly newsletter. Uh, I want to remind you of the women's conference. Can, can everybody see that? No, just kidding. Uh, women's conference, it is not this coming weekend, but the next weekend, the 24th and uh, the 23rd and 24th in Durant, Oklahoma, or Durant, as they say down there. And it's an awesome conference for women. Now and then a guy sneaks in there, don't tell. Um, but registration to be able to receive the lunch has to be done by this Thursday or Friday, this Friday, the 16th. So be sure and do that. Register even if you don't want the meal. All right? Are there any other announcements that I need to make for today? Anyone? Anyone? Garage sale? Anything? Okay. Uh, y'all take five and come back We and, and be in here when you hear the music go off because um, there's a video that I want you to see and I don't, yeah, don't want you to miss that. Okay, ready? Ready. First of all, in way of introduction, okay, do you have that video ready? Okay, yeah, let's look at that. I'll talk to I'll talk about the video afterwards. Freedom and I we're at war. thought it would never end. Bound, chained, trapped by my sin. Who could save me from myself? Who could save me from this plight? I heard about a sun that rose just to save me from the night. It was dark, it was cold. The grip of fear was firm and tight. It wasn't until I closed my eyes that I regained my sight. New birth, new life, old wrongs made right. I can fly, watch me as I take flight. No doubt, no shame, no grief, no blame. I'm not the same. My character has changed. The author knows my name. He took my sin, he took my chains. He took my past, he took my pain. Now only these words remain. I was blind, now I see. I was bound, now I'm free. Wore a mask, but now I'm me. Freedom is here. Woo! Some of you don't know, Pam and I moved here almost nine years ago from Central Texas, a smallish town called Brownwood. And... Uh, we had both gone to college there, and uh, I was at first. I was at uh, 
Well, I was at some Baptist churches, but um, I was at Victory Life Church in Brownwood for nine years as the associate pastor there in charge of counseling. I had a private practice in counseling there. And um, the first time we ever saw this video, by the end, everybody in the congregation was just standing up and shouting. Because freedom is, it's pretty awesome. Um, all the way, all the ways that you think of freedom, it's awesome. Um, some of you may not recognize that guy, but he's sitting right over here right now, and I didn't know he'd be here this morning. He's the only person that is skinnier than he was 15 years ago. Uh, the only person, maybe in the world, but um, anyway, uh, that that video meant a lot of us, a lot to us, and so we moved here, and we didn't even recognize him. And uh, our son from Korea said, you didn't know that was Dre? <laughs> um, but we didn't realize it until we ran across the video and then we recognized him. So anyway, that's a little history there. Um, in this country that we live in, freedom it has a whole different meaning than it means to... Uh, people in other parts of the world. Um, it should mean diff something different to us as Christians too. Because we are set free in a way that not very much of the world knows also. Um, did that come out right in syntax? We're also free in a way that the rest of the world doesn't know. Um, I remember a, my philosophy pre professor in college when I was doing my undergraduate work that um, he, he was an interesting guy. He was six foot two or three and he was very expressive and he jumped up on the desk and, and would, you know, do like this. And one, one day he was talking about the freedom and he said, and he had these glasses and they... He flipped them back and forth. He said, are my glasses free? And I, we, we go, well, yeah, they're free. And he, was, and he just breaks the earpiece of his glasses off and goes, are they free now? Um, well, kind of, but they, they're so broken that they can't achieve the purpose that they were designed for, and which was his, uh, the illustration that he was trying to make. Um, when we talk about freedom as Christians, one of the things that... I said is is repeating uh, the the instructions that a pastor a favorite pastor friend of Pam and myself who is a lawyer in Oklahoma City now um, he he said if you're here at church every time the doors are open you're here too much and that was something real then that um, that good Christian people were at church all the time. Um, a lot of kids grew up with drug problems. Um, they had been drugged to church too much. Um, and so the, the idea that you didn't have to be at church every single time the doors were open was very freeing to some people. Um, I, I think that we've leaned, we're over in the other ditch now, um, possibly, uh, but, but, and, 
and Paul and James and others who wrote the New Testament uh, often are trying to deal with the tension between grace and holiness. Um, that balance of freedom from the law. Because we, we are set free from the, all this Old Testament law. And, and what it had become through the work of the Pharisees. So that in Jesus' day, people were bound by the law. They had, I mean, you couldn't care. If you were a barber, you couldn't carry your scissors in your pocket. Because they, call, they would consider that doing work on the Sabbath. And you know, we're set free from that. We, we can st- mow, you can mow your lawn uh, on the Sabbath and God's not going to strike you with lightning or something like that. Um, so there's that, that ditch. And then, and then there's the other ditch where, well, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Well, I can worship God on the lake while I'm fishing. And that's true. And sometimes when I'm in a deer stand, amen? It, when I, sometimes when I'm in a deer stand, I commune with God in, in a very real way. I, the quietness, sometimes that I don't have any other time. The quietness that I can experience there, God can speak to me in those times. And so, it, it's not wrong that you can't worship God on the lake. But if you choose to worship God always on the lake... You're missing out on some of the things that we've talked about even in the past few weeks about what the ecosystem of maturity needs. That, we, that worship, and that's corporate worship sometimes at least, and community and service, those three things working together to create a balanced Christian life, a, a, a balanced spiritual experience, they're lost if all you ever do is worship God on the lake. Um, and, and if that's, the, if that's what, what our lives end up looking like, I just ask you how much like the Jews straying towards idolatry is that? That it's really a rationalization towards self-indulgence. Just selfishness. The Apostle Paul called that appealing to our flesh. Which that doesn't always have to be something... Uh, unmentionable, something uh, that in mixed company we wouldn't have, want to have a discussion about. It can be just that, uh, that I want to eat too much, that I want to, um, that I want to p- just party and not be able to go to church the next morning, whatever the thing is. Um, I don't, and I, I want to be careful of it because I don't want to, I, I just think there's a balance. There's a balance of what needs to happen because holiness, and that's another word that's come to mean a lot of different things, but holiness is just to be separate. It's to be just different from the rest of the world. And part of our message is lost if we aren't somehow different from the rest of the world. Whether we're at school or whether we're at work or or wherever we do what we do, um, uh, uh, different organizations that we're a part of. If we as Christians aren't different in some way, a lot of our message is missing because the, just quoting John three sixteen to somebody has less of uh, less of a power 
to change another person than the appeal that we have, like, um, like in First Peter when he says, we're, we're supposed to look attractive. What, what we have and the way we live our life should look attractive to the point that someone says, I want to know how you... I want to know how you make it through the first week uh, after your daughter's died. I want to know how you make it through a funeral. I want to make, know how that happens. Without a balance of freedom and holiness, that message ends up getting lost. Um, Jesus read, when he went to his hometown... Somewhere in the middle of his three-year ministry, he went to his own hometown, and he got up, and uh, they knew who he was. I wonder if some of the religious people there thought that Jesus would fall on his face, because they remembered thirty years before all the rumors that went about uh, went around about his mom, that his mom said the Holy Spirit came upon her, and she and Joseph weren't married, and I mean. They, there was gossip that went on. They told stories. You know, when she was in the marketplace, they would tell stories. Did you hear about yada yada? So I just wondered if some of the religious people thought Jesus would fall on his face at the time. And so they said, why don't you get up and read some scripture for us in the synagogue? And Jesus gets up and he turns, well, he, he didn't turn in his book because but he rolled the scroll you know kind of like a Rolodex anybody know what that is a Rolodex yeah never mind um, he flips through there and he looks for the thing uh, Isaiah and he gets uh, to Isaiah about chapter 61 and he Jesus reads this right here the spirit of the Lord God is upon me Well, any of you could read that, and that wouldn't be unusual. The Spirit of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord." And then he sat down. And in the book of Luke, about chapter 4, it says, So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. Wrath. They were very angry. And rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of a hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. They were so mad, they were going to kill him. Because he talked about liberty to captives, freedom. Freedom! They didn't like what he was saying about himself because he talked about being the deliverer. But number two, they didn't, I don't think they liked the message of freedom. They didn't like the idea that from a spiritual standpoint, uh, from a religious standpoint, Jesus was saying, yeah, just forget all that stuff. 
He didn't say forget all that stuff. He said, he said that's, you've got all your importance. Your priorities are all off. When Jesus talked about tithing of your anise and cumin, what did he say? Let me answer for you. Don't anybody holler out. He did not say you don't have to tithe of your anise and cumin. But he, was, he said, you guys have put so much priority on tithing of these little tiny bits of spice, 10%. So they take their, I mean, like, how, how much pepper do you have in your, or, or how much cinnamon do you have in your shelf? Or how much, I don't know, t- thyme, and not this kind. Um, how much, there, there are these little tiny bottles well, in Jesus' day, they were even smaller bottles. And you know that some of y'all have cinnamon in there that's like 10 years old. Um, they, they didn't do that. Uh, but he, so they'd have these little tiny bits. So can you imagine these guys on Saturday night while they're getting their offering ready? They're out here trying to cut out 10% of their little tiny bit of spice, anise, and cumin. Jesus didn't... He said, you should take care of the weighty matters and not neglect the other things. We were not supposed to neglect the little things, but we were sure the, the important things were supposed to be the important things. Things like taking care of your parents. Things like obeying your parents. Things like obeying your husband. For those of you who are watching online, there was a lot of laughter around the room about that. The grace movement that happened a couple of three decades ago, when there was a realization within the church that a lot of emphasis had been put on following rules. Having a, a checklist of rules that if we just follow them, everything's good. Y'all have heard me say, I've said it a million times, I will say it again right now. I grew up with the two most important things, at least in my 13, 14-year-old mind was, everybody say it with me, ready? No drinking, no dancing. Thank you. No drinking, no dancing. That was what we believed. There were actually more rules. Um, we actually had a rules that we did on Saturday night when we, uh, I talked about getting our offering ready. We do. We get our offering ready on Saturday nights uh, before we go to s- Sunday school on Sunday morning. We had a little offering envelopes. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Um, and there was a little checklist on on there. Come to Sunday school. Check. Read your Bible every day of the week? Check. Yeah, right. Um, pray every day? Check. Uh, share Jesus with somebody? Check. And so we go to, oh, down those checklists. It was no different from what the Pharisees had. The Pharisees had their favorite little things, that, their checklists. They wore tassels on their garments. They wore little, four little tassels on those things. That was a big deal for them. They'd check that one off. Little checklist. And along comes the Jesus movement. And in the 70s, 
there was this grace movement. That wiped out a lot of the rules. Rules about the, all, the girl, all the women had to wear dresses. I don't think I've seen a dress this morning. Praise God. Because when you've seen a lady up on a roof putting shingles on in a dress, ain't nobody needs that. Um, and that's how you know you've gone off the deep end, that you're in one of the ditches about legalism. You're in one of the ditches in the works-based religion where you have to do certain things and everything's good. No drinking, no dancing. Verse, uh, so we get out there and my charismatic friends discovered wine. <laughs> they hadn't been able to drink their whole life long and suddenly everybody discovered wine. And their freedom was, we get to drink all the wine we want. And our marriages failed and, and all that. And I'm not here, I am not, make sure you understand me, I'm not preaching on no drinking. Or no dancing, by the way. They had just taken their freedom and gone, woo, crazy. And I'm telling you, one of the the impact that I saw that was had the most impact was marriages that failed because these people that weren't used to drinking they end up getting in fights and cheating and all kinds of things would happen. So Paul talks about in the book of First Corinthians, which First Corinthians that whole long long letter. He wrote two letters, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. They may have written another letter or two. But we have 1st and Corinthians right over here. Right there. Um, We have 1st and 2nd Corinthians there. And so in that first letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, it was a letter in response to another letter that he got where they said, you just can't imagine what's going on here. It's crazy town. They're... um, and one of the leaders was, uh, had like gotten remarried to his stepmom or, or some kind of crazy thing. And so Paul writes this letter to him and he says this in chapter 8 about verse 9. He says, but beware lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. This liberty, this freedom that you've got in Jesus... Free from the law, make sure that it's not done become a stumbling block for some of those who are weak. For and he was talking about meat sacrifice to idols. And and what this was was people of the church would go down to the market and there'd be this cheap meat over there, kind of like Walmart when there's a yellow sticker on it. You know, there's this cheap meat that, um, and you go, well, why is that meat so cheap? Well, it's been sacrificed. That meat was offered to the idols. And we brought some of it here to the marketplace and we're selling it. Well, none of the Jews would buy it because they said, well, that's been sacrificed to idols. Paul said, you know, as Christians, we know that those idols, there isn't, those other gods don't even exist. And so it's just meaningless. And so if you don't have a, if you know that, then there's not a problem with you eating that meat. 
It's a little bit like if you go to Bennigan's and order a margarita. If, I see some of you shaking your heads. Hold on, wait till I'm done. There's not anything in here forbidding you from having a margarita. But it's a little bit like meat sacrifice to idols. Because if someone sees me there and they know no drinking, no dancing, and they believe that that's a center or a corner stone of our faith, no drinking, no dancing, and then they see me drinking and they think, well, that guy's a hypocrite. And I don't have a time to, uh, to talk about the theology of it. And that Paul said, told Timothy, quit trying to be such a teetotaler because you, you're sick all the time. Just drink a little wine. A little, it says. And Paul has some provisions. He said, don't get drunk. Be drunk in the spirit, but don't be drunk with alcohol. So that's the... That's what Paul's talking about here with this meat sacrifice to idols. He says, For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? That he sees you doing anything, oh, there's no, there's no big deal. I'll do that. And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? Because they don't know that they're free. They think that they're breaking the rules right along with you. But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Paul says, I won't eat any meat at all if it causes a problem. And see, that's where our liberty has a limit. I wrote somewhere in my notes, even freedom of speech isn't unlimited. That, that's not absolute freedom. Because if it causes my brother to stumble. Four years ago, when we had the never-Trumpers and the super-Trumpers, and we were doing our whole thing, and it looks like we're set to do that again, the, our speech about some of those things is, should be limited. Because I don't want that again. I don't want division that comes because of that. Now, you can vote for whoever you want to vote for, and, and whatever your conscience says, but I don't want... Because, because what that turns into, our faith and trust is in whoever's in control of Congress and whoever's the president. My faith and trust is not in that and never will be. Amen. Two chapters later, Paul says, all things are lawful for me. But not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but all things do not edify or build up. Not all things are building up. And what I talked about, about our election stuff four years ago, that's, the, that's part of that situation. Not all things edify. So, 
Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. In another place, he says, don't seek, seek not only your well-being, but the well-being of others. That, you know, I want you to take care of yourself too, but, but it's got to be balanced against the needs of others and the, the well-being of others. In Paul's next letter, 2 Corinthians, he says, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or liberty. Depending on your translation. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I love when we sing the songs about freedom because I, I reckon back to the days when I was in a denomination that had the rules and many of you were in those denominations. You were in the denominations where you had you couldn't watch TV, or you had to wear uh, you, you had to not cut your hair, ladies, or wear and wear and not wear makeup. Man, ain't nobody got time for that. So when you're set free from that, you're like woohoo! Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where was I reading that? Second Corinthians, right here. Oh, wait, there it is. Sorry. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so we're becoming more and more like Jesus by beholding Him. That happens for many of us right here. I, I, you can have your own Bible study at home. You can, you can watch... watch podcasts and and YouTube videos and all that kind of stuff. But something happens when you process the teaching of who Jesus is in a group like this and you get to reflect off each other and you, and you discuss it. We do that a lot of times on Wednesday night. Something happens in that interchange, not between a, a teacher and a which you don't have, you don't get that in, on your podcast, an interchange between yourself and that teacher. Um, something happens in the discussion that happens in a smallish group uh, that discusses the word. That, that transformation, I, there's just more impact. The same image as Jesus from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. In Galatians, Paul wrote to another church and he said, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. We've been called to freedom from religion. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Then that should, be, that should motivate, that should inform us. Much of what we do. In Mark chapter 10, speaking of Jesus, for even the Son of Man, Jesus said this, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In fact, the night before, or the night that Jesus is arrested, he, he gives a picture of service, and not just metaphorically, he gets down and washes his disciples' feet. And I, I toyed with the idea of me washing somebody's feet or somebody washing my feet or whatever, the, you know, 
yeah, but I, I can't do that. I have this problem with feet. So, um, but Jesus got down there and washed the disciples' feet. And I mean, you got to picture what that really looked like. They walked on dirt roads all the time. And I mean, I've seen some of y'all. When you've been wearing flip-flops, it ain't, it ain't good. And they like wore flip-flops 24-7 on those dusty, dirty roads. And Jesus washed those same feet. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just, a, you know, a picture to illustrate. It, it performed a function. And Jesus served them in that way. So he didn't come to be served, but to serve. He, which was a lot different from the Pharisees and the other religious leaders of the time. The last scripture that I want to share with you is Ephesians chapter 4. This is from the New Living Translation. About what the picture of this church is, according to Paul. And he likened it to a body, just like this body, only better. Um, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And that, that body with different parts that have different functions, we have that here in this church, in this community, functioning as the hands and feet of Jesus in this community, in this central part of Oklahoma. It's allowed us in, in all the different ways that it works together, this body. It's allowed us to build a house for somebody. It's allowed us to provide a blind girl with a, an iPad that helps her to do the schoolwork. And she was, uh, she was in a situation where she couldn't get that. And so we were able to do that. Our church body was able to do that. Our church body, hands and feet, and just in your gift giving, able to do that. Serving this community at the food bank the, and, all, and all the different things that we do. Actually performing that function. Being Jesus in the community. And it's my prayer and I pray all the time that all kinds of organizations every few, every few weeks, they'll go to Walmart and they'll ask for stuff. And they'll ask for Walmart to give $1,000 to this thing or that thing. My prayer is that when our community in this area thinks we have a need, who can meet that need for us? That they don't first think of Walmart, but they think of Victory Life Chandler. That they think of the church that, to, to meet that need. Because I believe that that's what... That's what this whole message is about. It's about us being able to perform a function that is Jesus. Because Jesus didn't just try to get our thinking right. He didn't try to get our religious practices right. I mean, so much of this gospel here and the story of Jesus is about healing. 
healing people's hearts and minds and healing their bodies and things broken and feeding them. The, some of the most famous stories, at least in the midst of the famous stories, are feeding 5,000 people. That's our job. So, one of the ways that we do that, or one of the things that maybe prevents us from doing that, is liberty gone amok. Grace with no expectation. And it's been, look at James and look at Paul. They must have hated each other. Because James says, in fact, Martin Luther, the great theologian that, that sparked the Protestant movement, Martin Luther said, I, we need to tear James right out of the Bible. Because he, had, he says, I mean, he used to just agonize every night. Hours and hours. My sin, my sin, my sin, my sin. Because it's driven home so much. And he's discovered grace. He went, woohoo! And so when James says, I'll show you my, I'll show my faith by my works. And thought that, Martin Luther thought, he was saying, you got you to gotta work for your faith. I, I don't have time to talk about that, but that wasn't what he was talking about. But it is, it's illustrative of the, that tension between grace and holiness, between the freedom and the liberty that we have and expectations that are on us to, do, to be a certain way and not the focus on the behavior, but the spirit. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But that same spirit motivates us to do certain things too. And not not cut your hair or wear a dress all the time. None of those things. Not just your tithing on your anise and cumin. So I want us to find that balance. That's I mean that's in a nutshell that's what this morning is. Find that balance between freedom Freedom to go hunting on Sunday morning or go to a softball tournament or baseball tournament or whatever, but still be able to be supportive of brothers and sisters here on a Sunday morning too. And that you find by, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit what that balance is for you in your life. Because I don't, I am not going to make rules about that expectation. Let me pray for us. Father, I just recognize the unique nature of our relationship with you that Jesus brought out, Father. The best Father ever. That, that picture of a parent that loves his children so much and has certain expectations of them but doesn't want them to be bound up by a religious observance. Father, I pray that we'd recognize the freedom that we have in you and, and come to that balance. That your Holy Spirit would lead us 
that you'd show us in this week, this very week, that you'd show us an opportunity to just live out our faith. Just be who we are in Jesus in such a way that at school or at work, somebody is able to recognize the difference in us that is there because of the presence of Jesus in us. that doesn't happen inside the four walls of this building. Or gather around the flagpole or anything else. It happens with us just living out our daily lives impacted by the love of Jesus that's in us. That as we're being transformed, that we transform world around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you have um, if you have a need, you can write it on one of those blue cards that I showed you earlier. You can, if you, if you want to know anything, just ask me. If you have something to be prayed for, I'd invite you to talk to me. Miss Yvonne, Jimmy, y'all raise your hand. Uh, that you can uh, talk to her, talk to Mr. Jeff, the guy that wears the hat. And uh, I want you to be blessed. So I'm going to ask that blessing on you right now as we leave. Father, bless us as we go from this place. That everywhere our foot falls, that we leave a little Jesus all the places that we go because that brings you glory more than any words that we ever utter. It's in His name we pray.